from the perspective of God being our Father. It's very important. Try this. Many times we speak to God in prayer and we say, Our dear Heavenly Father. In America, we say, Daddy, right? Why don't you try praying to Him as just call Him Daddy? See how you feel about that. Call Him Daddy because He's our Daddy. Daddy. And so I'm tit- I titled this message a Dad like our Heavenly Father. A Dad like our Heavenly Father. Now stand up. <laughs> And it's Isaiah 50, verse 4. Because they have ears and they could not hear. They have eyes, they, are not, they couldn't see. But we have eyes that can see and we have ears that can hear. Now, let's go. Read with me. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He has awakened me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. I consider this scripture very, very important for everyone. God has to open your ears for you to be able to hear what he's saying. Many heard his voice, but they didn't hear his word in his time. They heard him speak, but didn't understand what he was saying. And so it's only when God opens your ears that you are really able to hear him. And Jesus said, everyone who's heard from the Father comes to me. So until you hear from the Father, until he has opened your ears, it's really hard to hear God. That's why you hear people outside saying there is no God. We don't believe in a God. They haven't heard his voice. They, were, they, are not, uh, uh, they are still rebellious because they have not, God has not opened their ears. Father, I want to thank you. Speak from your word today in the name of Jesus. Now, I want to say to you that the idea of God being our heavenly father only came when Jesus came to the earth. A Jew will never consider God as his father or her father. It was not, that was not their thing. And in fact, when Jesus started calling God his father, they were offended by that. They didn't like that. It meant something different to them. Because God was never considered by the Jew as a father. They don't refer to God as a father. They only referred to God based on what they needed him to be for them. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, meaning the God who provides for my need. That's the way they call them. They, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals me. So they called God by what they needed God to be for them. God was never considered their father. But when Jesus came, he changed everything. He started referring to God as his father in being a man. But not only that, he referred to God the father as our father. 
21 times in the gospel, Jesus referred to God as our Father. And 21 times he said, your Heavenly Father. And so everything changed. We are children of God by adoption. Now, in the time of Jesus, you can disown your son if you don't like what the son's doing. You can say, well, you're no longer my son. But when you have adopted this child, you have no right to disown that child. We have been adopted into God's family through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great relationship. A lot of people haven't discovered this relationship with God. It's a unique relationship between man and God. A very special relationship. Now, there are about three things to this relationship. First, it's a very personal relationship. Very personal. It's between you and God. God has no favorites. God has no grandchildren. It's a very personal thing. You and God, a personal relationship. Secondly, it's a very profound relationship. It's a relationship between man and God who is a spirit, an eternal spirit. A moral man with God himself. And you being part of his family, even though you are mortal. So it's a very profound relationship. And then it is a permanent relationship because it's an everlasting relationship. It's forever and ever. Once you become a part of his family and you stay under the covenant, you are always God's child and God is always there with us. Now, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus began to tell us this. It says, if you then, being evil, he called us evil. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father... Notice, this is one time again, Jesus was telling them, God is your heavenly Father... How much more will your heavenly Father, who is in heaven, your Father who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? So now God's saying, you earthlings, you fathers on the earth, you evil. <laughs> and God in, in heaven, that's the good Father. You, even though you're evil, you still know how to do, come up with some good. <laughs> but your heavenly father, he does everything good. So that's the model. That's the one to fashion your relationship as a father to your children after. If you want to be a real father, be one like the heavenly father. Don't be one like everyone is talking about because you can be a good father that the people of the earth endorses, but will heaven endorse your relationship as a father with your children here? That's what's important. How will God see your relationship with your children as a father? Not what men think. Because men only will think about the material things and what's going on. 
You buy them good cars and, and all of that stuff. Oh, he's a good father and all of that. How does heaven see it? That's the important thing. So we want to be just like God. There are things that we need to possess as fathers to be like our heavenly father. And, and these are his attributes. And I'm going to go through them. I have, I couldn't come up with seven, like preachers do, so I only have four. <laughs> preachers always like to go to seven. I've tried it many times, I came up with four, and I'm happy with the four. <laughs> Amen. The first thing is that God possesses the ability to be totally aware of what's going on in your life. Awareness. That's number one. He's totally aware of everything that's going on in your life. That's a, what a father must be. By God's help. Because you can't know what's really going on. But you must desire to be that way. God knows. He tells us in his word. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not worry. He's talking to his children. This is God. Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? These are the things that we need in life to make it. He says, For after these things, the Gentiles seek. Those who are not children of God, that's what they are only after. He says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. He already knows everything that you need. He knows. He is very aware. Not just the things that you need physically. Many times when we're talking about this, we're thinking about the material needs. But, but there are emotional needs. There are physical needs. There are material needs. And the most important... Your spiritual need of the child. God's fully aware of what the child needs. And then he uses that for guidance to help them. God's fully aware of what's going on in your life. He, you cannot go out of his presence one second. He sees you. Everything that's going on in your life, he knows. And he cares. That's because he's our heavenly father, our good heavenly father. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He knows everything about you and he loves you. And he used those things to direct your life. Now, in Matthew chapter 10 verse 29 and 30, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? No value. Just one copper coin. And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. In other words, not even one of these sparrows, that is, they are no insignificant. But if they die, God says, okay, it's okay for that one to die. And he says, you are more valuable than this. He says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He's very aware of everything that's going on in your life. I know he's been numbering my hair for a long time. I've lost a good bit of them, and uh, God's still taking count. 
<laughs> Every time I comb my hair, God says, you, got, you lost seven today, I know what's left. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, some of you are in the same category, you know what I'm telling you. <laughs> We're dealing with the same. But the thing is, God knows everything about you. Even the hair you have on your head. And he cares. He's very, very aware. When you think you are in real difficult times, he's aware. But how do we draw from this? Our Father should be aware of what's going on with the kids. If you walk by your child and can't tell whether they are sad or happy, you've lost it. You have to be aware. What's going on, son? What's going on, daughter? That's the way, because that's the way our Heavenly Father, our Father is. He's aware of what's going on. But you see, with God, and we're coming to that, even though He's aware, He wants you to talk to Him about it, right? He wants you to talk to Him about it in prayer. And that's what a good father does. Number two, ability. Possess the ability to meet all of these needs. And remember, he already told us, you being evil, we need him to do these things. You have the ability, the willingness and the ability to provide for your children. And when we talk about that immediately, all men, all we think about, especially men, is provide material things. It's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. I think we can draw from what God really wants husbands, fathers to provide from their, for their kids by just studying the Lord's Prayer. Or the disciples' prayer. The things God wants you to ask so he can meet in your life, right? Those are the things that we really need. So he tells us, you pray this way. Because that's the way, through this prayer, he is going to provide for you as a father. Because he knows you need these things. Those are the things that are really important that the father must provide for his children. And God says, I want you to ask these things so that I can meet these needs. These are the needs. These are the things you really need in life. They go with the, the Lord's Prayer, what he asks us to pray about. The very first one is to be able to provide your kids with the things that are truly important in life. Guidance. You have to provide them with what's truly important in life. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 6, uh, it tells us on how to pray. It says, But seek first the kingdom of God, verse 33, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. For after all these things, verse 32, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now he's going to give you uh, guidance. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And in the Lord's Prayer, he begins to tell us what we truly need, what the number one thing that we should go after. He says in Matthew 6, verse 9 and 10, it says, In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven. So the Father must model what's truly important. Priority in life, you got to show them this is what's truly important in life. And Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says, the Father's kingdom is number one. Let me ask, let me say we have an opportunity to ask your children, what are the things that are most important to your parents? What will they say? If I can corner your son or your daughter and I said, tell me, in your home, your father and your mom, what do you consider the thing that is most important to them in this life? Tell me, what will they say? Will they say baseball? Will they say work? What would they say? Because whatever they say, that's what you've modeled to them as what's important in life. That's what they're going to go after. But Jesus said the most important thing you need to do is to let them know my he- God is your heavenly Father. They need to worship Him. Hallowed be thy name. If your children are not hallowing God, you missed it as a father. You missed it. That's number one. Priority is number one. What will they say is important to you? Fame? Money? What is it? How would heaven see it? Is that what's truly important? What did Jesus say about Mary and Martha? Mary was sitting by his feet. What did he say? She's chosen the most important part, and I'm not going to take it away from her because she was sitting by the word of God. That's what is important. And then it says, Thy kingdom come. In other words, you are working for the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I've got to model that for my children. And if you model every other thing, and you fail in this area, you are failed in the sight of God. That's number one. You can provide them with everything. The Cadillacs, the Rolls everything. You're failing this, you have truly failed. You, have the, you haven't had the ability to be like God to your children, who is our Heavenly Father. So that's the number one. The second one is what we normally refer to as the provision to provide for their material, physical, emotional needs, the other needs. They are very important. You've got to provide for them. And to provide for them, it says in Matthew 6, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. That's providing for your children. Providing for your children. Making sure they are, they are okay. 
They are not deprived in any way. God does that for us. He provides for us. In fact, he was telling us, you don't have to worry about anything. The children in the home don't have to worry about what's going to happen, what's going to happen to us and all of that. That's too much burden for the children in the home. Somehow, you're going to help with that. Now, you don't have to give them a whole lot of stuff. They just have to see that you are making a great effort to make sure that they have what they need. And they are important to you. That's very important to them. That means you care. You care. You will make the sacrifice. You know, many of you saw the MVP of, uh, what do you call it, uh, basketball? Durant, what's his name? Something Durant, yes. Oh, yes, thank you very much. (laughs) But notice what he said about the mom. You did everything. We didn't have much, but he knew you rather do anything, you give everything, you rather let us eat, even you have nothing to eat. And that stayed with him as a man. It's not when you have it and you're thrown it. The kids know what's going on. The kids know what's going on. They know everything. They know if you're really or you're not. They just have to see that heart that is there. You're willing to take care of their, their physical needs. And then guide them rightly. Amen. Men, are we getting it this morning? I'm preaching to myself also. <laughs> Amen. But we have to do that. Because that's the way our Father is in heaven. He takes care of our needs. He says to ask. Jesus actually said, ask that you might receive so that your joy may be full. He wants to do that for us. And we have men, we have to trust God to help us provide. Because He is our Heavenly Father. The kids have to know you are trusting God to provide. Even if it's difficult as a man, as a father in the home. You're trusting God. And they see miracles as God walked through helping you to do these things. Amen? And it, sometimes that's even bigger than anything is when they see the hand of God. Amen? Because you are modeling this is what is important. God first. And God will take care of us. I'll do my part, and God will help us. He'll take care of the rest. Amen? But they know your heart is there. So that's very important. Now, dealing with this number, the same number two, pardon. It says, verse 12, And forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. I don't know about you, but sometimes the kids have done something and you're thinking, I could take this kid out now. (laughs) Or where did this kid come from, you know? How could you embarrass us this bad, you know? Because they've done something. And sometimes maybe a kid, your child does something that truly embarrasses you. You don't have the right to hold it there. And deals differently with the other kid because this kid has done something. You can't do that. You have to let go. 
you have to forgive them. No matter what they've done, you have to accept them in. Know the story of the prodigal son, right? The father was waiting for him to come back. And they made him a prince. Your forgiveness and acceptance as you receive them, that doesn't mean you don't discipline them, but as you receive them and they know there is nothing wrong even though I've acted badly, just the forgiveness alone can transform this child's life. I read a story from uh, Paul Youngicho. How many know who, who I'm talking about? South Korea. There was this mother that came, that came into uh, his office. And she, she, she was saying, my daughter, she's a whore. She's, she's a prostitute. And he said, don't say that. She said, there's nothing else to say. That's the reality. She is one. And she had embarrassed, him, embarrassed the family, slept with the uh, husband's friends and the brother's friends. And she said, she's terrible. She's embarrassed us. She's a whore. She's all kinds of names. And she was crying. And pastor kept pleading with her. Change that blueprint. Forgive her. She says, I cannot forgive her. And they started, pastor said, pray with us. And she says, forgive. You know, she was praying with pastor. Pastor leading her in prayer. Say, I forgive. And she says, I forgive. It was really hard. And then after a while, she started really forgiving the child and praying for the child and blessing the child. And then she felt good. And the story went, one, later the, the daughter was with some man in a hotel somewhere. And all of, all of a sudden she woke up and she felt dirty. She wanted to go back home. She knew she disgraced the family. But she said, I'm going to call mama one more time, just this time. And she curses me out as before, that's it. I'm just going to, that's it, it's over. But mama's life has changed because mama has learned to forgive. And she said, is that my daughter? And the girl was huh? That's mama? Is that my daughter? Oh, wonderful. How are you doing? The girl was like, huh? What's going on? Mama used to curse me out. And she started crying. She says, Mama, can I come back home? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You can come back home. She wasn't sure. She gathered her stuff, and she took off to go home. And her mother was waiting for her. Ran to her, embraced her, brought her back. And Paul Youngicho had a lot of members in his church. She was one of the key people that brought about this cell group that he had. She was one of the top ministers in our church. That same girl that turned around. Because of mama's forgiveness. You can forgive them. And encourage them. I got to move forward. Amen. So important. And then there is also the protection. uh, Matthew 6 verse 13. It says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory. So we also have to provide protection. God did not call you to be your, especially when they are little. That's not your friend. That's your daughter. 
When they are 21, then you can be their friend. But when they are still little, don't try to be their friend. God didn't give them to you for you to be their friend at that stage. They are your children. You are supposed to guide them. Fathers, you have to understand, sometimes we have to accept that we can become unpopular in the home. And don't let your wife be the unpopular one to do the discipline. You have to do it. You have to do it. You don't befriend. You can't sit with your son and he's doing something wrong and you're sitting there saying nothing. They are expecting you to say something. And if you don't say anything, you've really let them down and basically you really don't care. They can do whatever they want to do. You got to give guidance. When Jesus, when Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation, he's not saying you should never be tempted. The Bible says to lead us not into temptation that's going to overcome us. Because God says he will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. So when you're praying this way, then God protects you so that nothing comes into your life that will destroy you. And that's your place as a father. You've got to protect them against things. They won't understand it. But you've got to tell them, no, you can't do that. And stand your ground. That's protection. You've got to stand your ground. You are not your friend. You are not, and in this light I can also speak with the lady, to the ladies. You are not your friend. They won't like you, but tell them the truth. And if necessary, spank them. I've said it before, where's Omar? Please get out of this place. <laughs> Omar was so rough in his early days. And I mean, it was tough for us. He's getting out of the building. But I love him. He's, he's totally transformed. I mean, I'm so proud of my son today. and so happy for him. He's just an amazing thing. An amazing transformation. If somebody told me Omar would be a shy person, I wouldn't believe that. Because he was so outgoing. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, it was trouble coming every time you see him. And one day I stood him and said, one of us is going to die. <laughs> one of us certainly is going to die. For me, I've already made up my mind. If I have to go to prison that small, I'm ready to die. One of us is going to die, I'm telling you. In one of those days, he came back from school and he's heard from his uh, instructor. He says, Daddy, if Daddy ever hits you, uh, you call CPS. I said, we don't have to wait for that. Call, call CPS now. <laughs> Go up. I, I told him to gather his little belongings, put it in a, a little suitcase, and I made him, he was begging. I said, walk out. They will come and pick you up. <laughs> he, he, he opened the door. Daddy, please. I said, no, you're gone. You want, to, you want to stay with CPS? They'll stay with you. They'll love you more than daddy. You can go. He, got, he, he took his stuff and he stood by the road waiting for CPS. <laughs> oh, yeah.
call me wicked. That's your problem. <laughs> but thank God of the product I got. Amen. Some of you have seen him in church here. You got to be firm. You got to be firm. I loved him. Uh, when you tell your kid, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, the kid is thinking, how is that? <laughs> I'm the one receiving this pain. <laughs> You're telling me that this is not true. Daddy, you're a Christian. You're supposed to be telling the truth. It's not true. But that's what it is. You have to protect them. And that's what the Father, our Father in heaven is. He wants to protect us. He wants to protect us. So he shares with us. So, that's number two. Four things in that. And then we'll go to number three. Availability. You have to be available. You have to be available for your children. We've been told, and you know the statistics, that even if you have a dad in the home and he's saying nothing, the kids turn out better than a home where there is no dad. It's just that somehow they are able to, to manage in life. Now, it's not always in every situation. But statistics will tell you if there's a dad in the home, he does help. Somebody they can talk to. Today, Omar and I, were like friends. Uh, we talk a lot and different things, questions. I'm sure there's no way I can tell him to go out and wait for CPS now. I'll probably be out there myself with him waiting for CPS and he's grown. But, but, but today we are friends. And I've been available. You have to be available for the kids. Even if you don't say anything, just your watchful eyes is enough to direct them. And just looking at him when he's doing something, that's enough to say, son, you better stop that now. And that's, that's guidance. You have to be available. And God was. He said, Jesus said in John 14, 28, I will not leave you like often. I will always be there. I will come to you. Even if you go, make sure they know you're coming back. You're always there for them. You have to be available. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All we have to do is come. Let coming to you be their rest. When they are troubled, these children go through difficult times too. But let, let, let it be that they can come to you, especially with things that they can talk to their mom about. They can talk to you. You are available. You will talk to them. God is so good with regards to that. But I'm going to stop with this. Number four, very important, affirmation. Affirmation. The worst thing you can do to uh, your child is to constantly talk them down. You're no good. I told you this before. Uh, you're fulfilling the prophecies you've, you've been given all this time. So when they start fulfilling the prophecies about how bad they are, why are you so shocked? You've been telling them how bad they are. You have to affirm them. You discipline them. But there's got to be time where you, you praise them and you let them know how good they are and how you accept them. Today, I'm very glad I have a platform I can tell my kids, you know, how much. But I'm still disciplined, especially the younger one. I'm still after that one's neck. <laughs> Constantly after two uh, The others, uh, I don't know about that. I think Grace now thinks she's so smart, she tells me what? 
But you have to affirm them. Let me tell you how important this is. You know, before Jesus went to be to the uh, wilderness, what happened? He went to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John the Baptist said, no, you baptize me. Jesus said, let's do this to fulfill all righteousness. And right after Jesus was baptized, as he was coming out of the water, the Bible says that uh, um, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove, and everybody could see. John the Baptist could. John said, God told me, the one you see, the dove, the Spirit coming on and staying on, that's the one. But God was not satisfied with that. God started speaking. And everybody heard it. And Jesus was saying, you've never heard his voice before. That was the first time many of them had ever heard anything from God. And they heard it loudly. And God was saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He affirmed him. The next thing, Jesus was in the wilderness. Guess what Satan was saying to him? If you are the son of God. What he just heard from his father, right? His father already told, made everybody know. Yes, Satan was tempting him, asking him, if you are the son of God. And Jesus is saying, are you kidding? Did you hear his voice when he said, everybody heard it? What do you mean, if you are the son of God? He already affirmed me before the whole world. And you're telling me, if you are the son, I don't need to do that to prove. We heard his voice. That's what it does when you affirm your child. And you praise them. So that when they are tempted, they know, no, daddy thinks too highly of me. I can't go there. What would I do? Go back to him. So you got to praise them. You discipline them, but you got to praise them. You got to affirm them. You got to tell them. You see how Jesus affirmed uh, Peter? When Peter says, you are the Christ. And he says, I mean, just, just no one told you this. He came from my father. And you can see the confidence Peter had. He had what I call overconfidence because the next minute he was talking to Jesus as if they were mates. Excuse me. <laughs> just like they're equals. When he rebuked him. But Jesus had already affirmed him. And we need to do that. Constantly. And the Holy Spirit does that to us. Constantly speaking to us. You are my child. You are my child. And he did the same thing with Paul. When he was in prison. Jesus will appear and talk to him. And comfort him. He's pleased with what he's doing. Don't worry about this. You're going to be standing before Caesar, helping him to look forward, who is affirming the, the person. We have to do that with our children. Don't talk down your children. Don't constantly focus on. And yes, if if you're trying to correct something, stay with it until there is a change. But then they do other things right. Focus on those things as well, and let them know how great they are. How smart they are. You can be president of the United States. Whatever you want to tell them. 
to make them see that there is something ahead for them. Amen? So we need to do those things. We have to be aware. We have to have the ability and the willingness to do all of these things, to show them priority, uh, provide for them, forgive them, and uh, protect them. But we also have to be available and we have to affirm them. Affirm your children. And let me tell you this. They can't be, nev- they can't be too old for you to do that. Because I was a grown man now and he doesn't need that. They need to hear it from daddy. Amen? They need to hear how proud you are about what their life is turned out to be. You will motivate them. Amen? But the first thing is for us to have a relationship with God. Every head's bowed this morning. All eyes closed. We want that eternal relationship with God that is important to our God. We need to have that relationship. If you're here today and you are not sure of a firm relationship with your father. I do know, (coughs) excuse me, from time to time in my life, I hear the Lord say to my spirit, son, son, when he wants to say something to me. And that's so endearing to me. The Bible says, the spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if you don't already have that witness in your heart, you can have that witness today if you will acknowledge the person of Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior. All you have to do this morning, as, and I'll pray with you, just lift your hand up quickly after, you hear, after the count of three. Just lift your hand up and say, God, I want to be a part of your family. I want to be dear to you, and I want you to be dear to my heart. One, two, three. Put your hand up if you don't want that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Stand up with me this morning as we're going to pray before we take our offering. Say with me, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world so that I can have a relationship with the Father. Lord God, forgive me my sins and accept me into your family, the family of God. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Lord. I know that I am now a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you said that prayer,